Sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it is From the Mesmerized Studios in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Taylor and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, hello, Atlanta sports fans. How the hell are you? We are back. This is probably going to be... Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're going to get into some dogs because, boy, some shit went down in the bins. Let me tell you. Woo! But this is going to be my favorite episode because it's my favorite number. Number 11. This is the 11th installment, the 11th episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports. I'm your host, Robert Taylor. My co-pilot, the commish, Mark Rich. He's amped. Football's back. That's his, that's his deal. He, he loves baseball. He, he's a baseball guy. He'll go to the games. He'll watch them. But football is his uh, slice of pie, if you will, with or without the American cheese. Without. Okay, me, yeah, well, yeah, I should know that because you don't like cheese because you're weird, but you don't put cheese on apple pie either, or any pie for that matter, the ice cream. But football's back. We just had a big game over the weekend, and we are coming back to you a little late. We took Labor Day off, but everybody did. So we're still going to uh, you know dive in and talk about it because you can't talk about it enough because what a game it was. A lot of people would argue it was the best performance of the entire weekend. I happen to agree. Alabama looked good, but they played a nobody. Now, was Oregon deserving of the number 11 ranking they received? Doesn't matter, really. We, we won't really know till they play somebody else, honestly. Yeah, and, and also it doesn't matter. You know, people, I mean, rankings do matter, but we already talked about this before the show. We're going to get off on a little side street about rankings because we have seen some some whack stuff like we went off on that uh, on the Colin Cowherd rankings and that was just that that's a one man's personal opinion and and he was going for shock value but like these are like national rankings yes and I'm I'm not saying that maybe Utah shouldn't have been number seven but you you've seen all these all these teams over the last five, seven, ten years, and you see all the, uh, why, why are all these ACC teams ranked? Why are all these Pac-12 teams ranked? Like, I, you know my thoughts on the thing. We've talked about this for forever. I said that there shouldn't be any preseason rankings. The rankings should come out after week four, but then we also talked about what it always boils down to, and that's money, and by ranking these teams the way you rank them, you're able to promote games as this ranked team versus, uh, and honestly, you know, number seven Utah versus unranked Florida was compelling, even though we know 
that they could go grab 11 guys off the street in Florida and still compete with Utah. And then it's nothing against Utah. Utah had a great season last year, and I'm, I'm sure they're a good football team. It's just it's different, and people always want to bitch about the, the SEC bias, but it's, it's a thing for a reason. Like, it, we don't just think that we are just statistically better. Just look in the past 20 years who's brought home the most national championships. But, and we, I sent you that text the other night. We were texting back and forth. Who does you look? I sent you Utah's schedule. It ain't that, it ain't that strong. It's, it's, it's clear, clear cut. You could make an argument that the Big Ten is, is up there because they have in the past. That's what every Big Ten fan always looks to, the past. Sure, and, and as far as as many relevant teams, like they, they have more. They generally have a few more teams than the other conferences. And, I, I mean, I, you just look at Ohio State and, and Michigan, and then sometimes you sprinkle in Michigan State and Wisconsin, and, you know, other teams show their head. Like, out west, we haven't really seen USC in a while. So it's been Oregon when Oregon's had a, a good team. It's been your Stanford's every now and again. But, like, it was – it's one or – UCLA. But it's been one or two teams, one or two teams from each division – Meanwhile, in the SEC, every single year, we are cannibalizing ourselves. And, and that's, that's why we have middle-of-the-road SEC teams. Like, if you want a preseason rank us, preseason rank. Florida being preseason unranked in teams like uh, NC State and North Carolina and, and these teams getting ranked inside the top 25 just has me scratching my head like – you you put these together like you 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 guys had to either vote on these or like somebody who gets paid a lot more money than than we do to talk about it like had to put these numbers down somebody had to approve it and somebody had to like it send them out there are no checks and balances here you just you just didn't rank Florida this year for for what reason new coach like what what made you think that like you didn't check your work and I'm not saying Florida's going to be great by the end of the year. I I absolutely can't wait to play him, to be perfectly honest. Um, but but right now, like, I watched that game, and I just don't understand how, how this team is unranked, but some of these teams that got taken to the wire by App State in, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's always been weird to me. It's never made sense. I do understand from like a marketing standpoint and, and from promoting game standpoint, like why you would want to do this early on. And it doesn't have the same effect as the preseason rankings did when the BCS was a thing because those rankings were like really important and was much harder to move up in the rankings um, from where you started in the season. But yeah, it, it's just wild. And honestly, it's a beautiful thing as a Georgia fan because it doesn't really matter to us. Everybody controls their own destiny. It's just it, it. You just watch these games and you're like, this is ridiculous. Well, I think a big part of it too is like you said, it, it you can bill it as a as a you know a big matchup of two ranked opponents. It gives people like us something to talk about because we're talking about it now. But here's a Fox thing, and this is just a complete 
you know, scenario. It's made up because, as we know, as you guys know, there's going to be a 12-team playoff. They're saying maybe as early as 2024, but probably 2026. We'll see. But Fox, and I told you they were drinking grain alcohol and smoking crack because here's their little if, – if there was a playoff with 12 teams this year. Alabama, number one, no-brainer. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Cincinnati. Number four, Baylor. And then Georgia at number five. And we won't even get into the rest. Ohio State's in there. Old Miss, OSU, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that is dumb. And look, I know, and, and Josh Booty told us on this show that Colin Coward, and we knew this, he likes to stir the pot. He's like, great guy, but this, but he still put a body of work out there that had North Carolina ranked above Georgia and North Carolina that vaunted Tar Heels defense led by Gene Chizik gave up just in the fourth quarter alone 40 points to App State, but like 61 altogether. So I don't know. I don't think even Florida beating a number seven Utah, they're not deserving of being at number 12 right now. I'm sorry. Florida's not the 12th ranked team in the nation. I'm not selling them short on talent. We don't know what Florida has. Anthony Richardson looks good. He hadn't looked good before. They got, but they got to play Kentucky this week. Like, don't like, and I, I know I have, I think my opinion on this because I've I, I've thought about it and I've doubled down so many times. Uh, four weeks, four weeks will give you the right sample size. And even even a couple weeks, but like you just need you need a sample size of this fo- of of any football team to let you know because it, you got Greg McElroy out here after Georgia beats Oregon saying Georgia Georgia has claim to the number one team in the country right now because well, why not what what we did was as much if not more impressive than what Alabama did over Utah State. Oh, it was because Oregon was number 11 and they had Dan Lanning at the helm and it's Utah State. Of course, you expect Alabama to. And here's the thing. I didn't. I'll I'll tell you right now. I will raise my hand and say guilty is charged. I thought it was going to be a better football game than it was. Uh, A guy at work, uh, I was talking to him over the counter. He said 52 to 10. And I was like, no, man, like Oregon's going to be. They got a little talent. Cristobal did a good job recruiting. It's it's not going to be even uh, Josh, you know, SEC analyst at Believe, uh, very knowledgeable guy. I think he said 38-17. I said if, 45-10. So, yeah, against an Oregon team. And, for, and look, Georgia looked like a team in midseason form. They did. I mean, let's talk about it. Let's just go ahead and dive into it. We'll, I love it. We can come back to the rankings if we want, but just rankings are, are sometimes a little overrated. That's an unhappy place. This is a happy place. They don't necessarily tell the whole tale, but look, Georgia looked like just a complete team. Let's just go into it. Nine of nine on third down to start the day. Seven of perfect in the red zone. They scored on every drive, every drive. And they just, man, all fired on all cylinders. Stetson Bennett made a throw to Lad McConkey in the end zone with some heavy pressure in his face. That scramble was awesome. And I told, what did I tell you? He doesn't make that throw last year. No. He might make that throw, but he doesn't complete it for a touchdown or he makes some sort of mental error. He tries to run it or, or he makes a mistake in that situation. That guy is firmly ensconced 
at that role. He's he he's got it down. That offense and and let's say you know I said wait till they play a tune up game, which they have one this weekend. I mean, poor Samford. We don't even have to talk about it. And if we want to, Saturday four p.m. SEC Network, Samford. That's about it. They're going to get a very healthy check to receive a royal ass kicking, but you know that's just what it is. But we're going to get to see a lot of things though. That's yeah, like I the tune up games before were like. I don't know. It is like a, a breather, like, and, but you were still a little bit worried. I, I don't know if you and I are the same on this one, but like before the tune up games were like, Oh my God, can we please just get through this without getting anybody hurt? And now it's like, I can't wait to see what they just, what they do. I can't, they're going to, they're going to run the hell out of the football. I'm sure. But Either way, neither here nor there. I mean, you this know, that game. Yeah, that's a big thing. You, I mean, I, I worry about that every game. Like, I think more so when you play a Stanford because it's like, hey, let's just let's just score five or six quick, and get everybody out of there, and get get these young guys in there. Like, let's not lose a, a Stetson Bennett or a or a Washington or a Bowers or a McConkey to Stanford. You well, know, that's, that's where coaching comes into play a lot too, because you want to keep your guys in a good rhythm. You want to get your guys the reps that they need, the in game reps, but you also want to get them the hell out of there and mm-hmm. take them out of harm's way. But yeah, so. Offense fired on all cylinders. They threw it all over the yard. Running game was strong. Defense, Malachi Starks with a crazy. Uh, and now, I do want to talk about that. That was a phenomenal interception. As our old friend Larry would say, Lady Luck was there a little bit. I'm not saying he's not a skilled athlete, but you throw, you make that attempt five, six, seven more times, he doesn't always come down with it. Yeah, but but the the thing is, he did. Yeah. And that's the guy that that's the guy Kirby said, I don't we're going to have to find a way to get him on the field. He's that damn good. That's a true freshman. He's out there with two sophomores and Kamari Lassiter and Keely Ringo. And they didn't even look at Keely. They nobody wants to look at Keely. Now they're not going to want to look at Malachi. Don't they're not going to want to look at our secondary. This is exactly this is exactly what um a lot of the talking heads said was going to happen at Georgia because if I think we had the best secondary recruiting class um, that Georgia's ever had in the history of the university, and they said that you know that was our that was our Achilles heel if we had one on defense last year was the secondary because we were so young back there. Um, but you you have your anchor and Christopher Smith, uh, who who also got a pick in the game, but he's he's back there. He's your senior on defense in the secondary, and you've got to pure talent sophomore and they they said sophomore surge for Lassiter and Ringo this year awesome I can't wait for that Kamari Lassiter suplexed a guy in this game and it, it was awesome he got flagged for it but that was I a, don't even care it was a bullshit call I think it was a bullshit call but I feel like at that point like it was a a, a pity penalty like damn we feel we feel bad for these guys and they're getting suplexed in those pretty uniforms well, let's not forget too. Tyke Smith is still there. He got some playing time. You know, he was injured, but so there's another guy. Georgia, look, I think what everybody was thinking is, can they do it again? Will there be a hangover? What's the defense going to look like? And I've said this before. They're in full on. I don't want to say the dynasty word yet, but they're in full on. But we you're, don't you're we don't rebuild, in, we reload yeah, and I'm looking in that direction. You, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to like 
be afraid of saying dynasty because it looks like we're building in that way. Obviously, until you get a second one, that's when you start talking about dynasty. But like you can say that like this appears to be working in that direction. And I think they have the right mindset. I, I think those seniors that left on that defensive side left them with a great message. Uh, they set a great example. They set a great tone. But I love, you know, Georgia over the years has always had the great mantras for the season, you know, finish the drill, and, and, and we could go on and on. But I love the one they brought out this year. Maybe it was released earlier before the season started, but I didn't see it. So on game day, you know, I got my grill going. I did some wings. The chips and salsa's out, and then they come out with, you know, their, their kind of thing this year is nobody cares. And I couldn't think of a more perfect way to kind of define the season. Is like, hey, last year's over. The only people that might care are us and our fans. And why should we care? That, that work's been done. Uh, but I still care. It's time to go back to work. Nobody, nobody thinks we can do it again. Nobody's given us any respect. Oh, it's already Alabama and Ohio State for the national championship without question. If Georgia would have played Ohio State this weekend, we would have beat the pants off of them. I'm just saying that. But, but then they would have blamed it on their receiver being of course, too. Of course they would. But speaking of respect, and as the young kids say on the internet, respect. It is time to put some respect on the mailman. 110%. I will say this, though. I got, I got, I was had. I was duped by the interwebs because I saw this picture of him in, in spring practice and summer and everything. Now the, the, the haircut was legit, you know, being all, you know, ripped out, but I saw he had a whole crazy sleeve going on. That's not a thing. He was wearing it. Yeah. See, I thought it was a like actual, like he got some ink. I thought that, but I guess, I don't know. But anyway, I just thought he was all tatted up. Not, not a thing. The interwebs fooled me, but let's talk about Stetson Bennett. This is why you got to put some, respect on his name and dog fans alike i don't know if there's a dog fan out there right now that is not sold on stetson bennett as being our guy to to lead the charge to a, another potential championship get off the bus yeah this ain't no jake from justin field scenario this is a that's our guy and I, i'm not saying anything bad about carson beck but if you don't want stetson to be our guy i don't understand your mindset well just listen to this this is his last three games now, don't worry about the rankings because it doesn't matter. They, they were what they were. Number two, Michigan. Number one, Alabama. Number 11, Oregon. 62 of 87, 905 yards, 71% completions. 10.4 yards per attempt. Eight TDs, no interceptions, and 185.2 efficiency rate. I, you know, done. The dude's got it done. He has gotten it done. And he's going to continue to get it done. He's like he said, you know, in, after in post game, he's like, man, my timing is better with these wide receivers, and that offense. I don't know. Now I'm just a dude in a studio in Woodstock, Georgia. There's every but, defensive coordinator on Georgia's schedule right now is watching that game because I don't know how you defend that offense because we saw a cavalcade of stars: Dominic Blaylock, Brock Bowers. Darnell Washington, Oscar Delp, Ladd McConkey, A.D. Mitchell. And I texted you this. You can't double-team anybody because if you double-team somebody, that leaves somebody open. And I just think, and I told you this, Georgia's offense and defense is a, is a 
it's going to be a joy to watch. They're, they're more balanced than they've ever been. And I really don't know, like with all those guys catching the ball all over the place, that's going to set up the run. You got to respect Georgia's passing game. And when you got to respect the passing game, that kind of opens up things for the run. Then you get the run going and it opens up the da 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 around around you go. They're going to give people fits. It's, it's, I mean, I can't even imagine. And they put up a lot of points last year. Look at, look at the breakdown. The breakdown, like it crushed me. Uh, 439, 571 total yards of offense, right? 132 of that was rushing. When's the last time you've seen a Georgia offense go that lopsided passing over rushing? 132 total rushing yards for an entire football game. And our leading receiver was a running back. Like we we were all over the place. Delp and Delp and Gilbert, their major contribution to this game, the first game of the season, were penalties. They didn't they didn't do a whole heck of a lot. And that's fine because Washington Bowers caught the ball twice. Bowers is an all world Bowers that could play NFL tight end right now. He caught the ball twice in this game. Um, this is a Lad McConkey show on it, Saturday. Lad, Lad got a rushing touchdown. Lad got a receiving touchdown. Five receptions, 73 yards, one touchdown, but also one touchdown rushing. And our little buddy Jermaine Burton for Alabama, five catches, 35 yards, two touchdowns. So still, Burton, Lad McConkey is working you. Yeah. Yep, yep. He's still better than you. I, you know, I don't want to, you know, because here's the thing you have to be careful with. Like these are in some, some degree, uh, children, some of them are 17, 18 years old, 19 years old, but they're, they're young men. So you got to be careful at our age, you know, trouncing on some young kids. But I think Burton didn't want to, he's not a competitor. And I have abandonment issues, so I'm not afraid to yeah, do this. Yeah, I, I, I think he was. He looked around and saw these tight ends and everything, and said, "Where do I fit in?" Well, I'll just, I'll just take my ball and go. Oh. I, I think if you stay around all these guys and stay in that offense and earn, earn your spot. But he, we, he, he went and got. He has instant, instant. He's instantly the guy because they lost Mechie and those guys, and now it seems like. You know Bryce Young. It's the Bryce Young, uh, Jermaine Burton show. Like that's his guy. So now he's now he's top dog. He's the, he's got all the shine, and it's like whatever. But, we don't get got to get into that. Yeah. Well, the problem is they also have Jameer Gibbs, and they have a lot. They have a lot of weapons at Alabama too. Like it, it, if it's a thing where they're going to try to get him the ball, like specifically try to get him the ball to get him yards and touchdowns to boost his draft stock, then like good for you. Like we spread the ball. We hit ten different receivers. You know what I mean? Like I, I much rather, I much rather. When the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, that's what was happening. The ball was getting spread all over the field. Everybody was getting involved. The open man was catching the football, and that's what happened against Oregon. Open people were catching footballs. It wasn't just our one particular superstar. Our particular superstar that everybody, our household name, caught the ball twice in this game. Mm-hmm. The same amount of time as Darnell Washington, who got. Bless his soul. That is a giant man. When it was actually, I read it on paper where it said he's 6'7", 270, and all he is is a slimmed-down offensive lineman who can catch and run. I, you watch the tape back. You, yeah. watch it, you watch him hurdle people. Could you imagine that freight train coming your way and, and thank, thankfully jumping over you rather than running through you? I mean, I said it. Like, I don't – as sharp as they looked coming out of the gate against Oregon – they're only going to get better. Right. I, I don't see how it would be a colossal 
it'd be one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story of the season in college football, if somehow Georgia regressed. But Kirby Smart and his staff would never allow that to happen. This is not your dad's UGA teams. This is a, I know I've said this before, but this truly is, we are about, we are entering an era of Georgia football like none of us have ever seen. Not even the Vince Dooley, Herschel Walker era. I'm telling you, Georgia is on a rocket ship to doing great things. You know, uh, Saban signed that 10-year deal, but, you know, Paul Feinbaum doesn't seem to think he's going to finish that out. Uh, I, th- I think I think Saban's going to coach until he falls over on the sideline. And I think because what does Alabama have under his belt? Seven national titles? I think he wants ten. Yeah, he wants he wants as many as he can Yeah, get. he's an uber competitor. I don't think he goes anywhere. But I think, the, you, you know, the, the no pun intended, but the tide has to turn. You know, Alabama's been good for so long. Somebody else had to, to come in and take up the mantle. We've seen that Nick Saban can, in fact, be beat. Now, Jimbo Fisher eked one out on him last year. But then, hey, man, this second half of that national title game, Georgia owned them. And I don't, want, I don't want to hear about wide receivers because it's the game and it happens. People get hurt. They didn't have anybody to step up and, and get the job done. Period. End of story. I don't want to hear any of this rebuilding garbage. Yeah. Georgia beat Alabama. Fair and square. It's football. People go down. There are injuries. Period. End of story. To your point, though, you do. you. We talked about this a lot last year, and I, like, I couldn't like I, I couldn't get over the feeling that like after the first couple games and I went to the Arkansas game last year and I watched it live and it was it it was different. It was a whole different feeling. Like I remember my first football game in Athens and how I felt then and it was kind of it it almost had that feeling because that football team like the first the first game was college football was new to me. Like the experience of being in a college stadium was new to me. This game was a reintroduction to Georgia. Georgia was a new football team to me because something clicked. Something finally made sense. Kirby Kirby has finally instilled, got all his people in, everything in place that he wants in place. And for lack of a better comparison, he has this the program running like Saban has it running in Alabama. Of course. So, so I mean, but that's that's the blueprint. I mean, yeah. that, that's what that's what Falcons fans expected when we went and got Dimitrov from the Patriots that we were going to bring him in and he was going to bring that winning culture and and how they do it up there. But it's not, that's on a much different scale. Like when we got Kirby, you know, we talked about Kirby in 2012. That never that didn't happen. He stayed. He wanted to stay at Alabama. Um, when we caught wind that he was going to interview at South Carolina, we jumped. We knew that was our guy. We knew it for a long time, mm-hmm. but we we knew why we wanted to get him too. Not only not only is he a Georgia boy, but the he coached under the best coach to ever do it. And and now you see you see everything. You got your guy. You just just listening to him talking in in press conferences. I know he's our guy. Yeah. But but we also know he learned from the absolute best. And you're seeing it. Everything, all the reasons why you brought Kirby home are coming to fruition. They came to fruition when when we got the one national championship. And if that's all we get out of Kirby, which I don't, I obviously no. don't think that's going to happen. But if that's all we get, it's still worth it. You know what I mean? But but the way the program is now, it's different. And I don't, 
you don't see it regressing. Like you don't see it going backwards because the recruiting classes haven't stopped. You're still seeing the product of recruiting classes from three years ago coming through four years ago. And these guys that are playing right now are, are a product of that. I, watching this game, I watched I watched a, a very different defense. Now, I know it's against a Pac-12 team, and we haven't seen any SEC competition, so we're, we're going to have to figure out what it actually is. But you, you have anchors. I feel like... I feel like that legendary defense left us an anchor at every at, at every at every stop. You got Jalen Carter who couldn't leave, but you got Nolan Smith the linebacker and Christopher Smith in the secondary, and then you you have to fill in everybody else. And I honestly think the the shift that we saw uh, there were zero sacks in the game. If I'm not mistaken, we had zero sacks against Oregon. Um, Bo Nix is a scrambler, but yeah, no, it doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is, you didn't see the dominant play from the line and the linebackers that we were accustomed to last year. But you saw dominant play in the secondary. Jalen Carter is a dominant human being. But it it was just it was different. Like last year, it was all about it was all about uh Trayvon Walker and uh, Jordan Davis and Nakobe Dean and uh Channing uh all these guys. Like that's those are the names that you heard. Now you fast forward to this year and all the focus is on on the secondary and what's happening in the secondary and that was talked about but that that defense is just going like the defensive line and the linebackers that's all going to gel throughout the year it's it, it's fine and you said it you hit the nail on the head and the word of the year is going to be balance mm-hmm. we are the defense is now balanced from front to back you know what i mean yeah Oh, I mean, people will have said, and you can agree or disagree, but Jalen Carter, uh, the five guys that left in the first round, they said he was the best player on that defense last year. Right. And I straight saw him manhandle some guys. I mean, just shrub. Going to be fine. They're going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. And, And you said it too. I said this years ago. I said, if you won a national championship, Go get that guy over in Alabama that used to play here. And when he got here, he took a tour around, surveyed the land and what it was, and said, all right, you want a national title? Do this. And they did it. They upgraded the facilities. They pretty much said, Kirby, what do you need? And they gave it to him. I hope they just said, hey, what would y'all do over in Alabama? No. What do y'all have that we don't? They didn't have to. He told you. He straight up looked at the athletic directors and everybody that gives a damn about football at Georgia and said, here's, I got it. I brought it with me. I've just been studying under the Yoda of college football for 11 years. I've got it right here. You want a national title? This is how you do it. And I don't care. Alabama fans can rag me till the day I die because nobody is arguing that Nick Saban is, isn't the best college football coach ever. Nobody's arguing that they know how to do football in Alabama. I wish they didn't. I wish they didn't. But that's not the reality we live in. Alabama knows how to win football. They are a championship program. They have been for over a dozen years. And we said, well, let's go get this guy and bring him back over here where he belongs. And that's what they did. You want to call uh, uh, Georgia a Xerox copy of Alabama? Fine. Sure. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Got ours. Yep. And I don't, I don't care that he learned. I mean, great. 
Who wouldn't? You don't think there's any other program out there that wouldn't love to have Kirby Smart because he's got he's got the playbook. It's like uh, Jerry Reed, you know, in the Water Boy when he stole uh, Fonzie's playbook and, and became champions. That's what Kirby did. He's like, I'll take this, uh, Mr. Saban. Thank you for all you've taught me. I'm going to go back home and exalt my former. You think in 2012, it just like, if you looked at Kirby's brain, it just wasn't finished downloading yet. Yeah, you know, so that's, ready. I'm, I'm glad. Glad he went to Alabama. And people will say too, like, oh, well, Kirby was just a puppet. No, he wasn't. In the beginning, yes. But towards the end of, of his career, he had full control over the defense. He wasn't some little whipping boy for Nick Saban. Nick Saban taught him, and he learned, and, and Kirby will say that all day long. He's like, man, I learned from the best. Right, well, and, and that's that's how that works, right? You know, you don't you don't stay there that long with somebody and, like, just be a figurehead. You don't pay Kirby what you paid Kirby at Alabama if you're not doing anything, if you're just talking to the – if you're just a DB's coach – with well, the title, you know, there's those people in the in the in the big time sports media that'll say that you know Saban's this controlling figure, and I don't doubt it. This and that and the other, and yeah, of course he he probably doesn't miss much in his program. Of course, I, I guarantee you, if you were at Alabama inside that program, there might be a couple of <laughs> you know, like he doesn't get he doesn't catch everything because it's not possible. I mean, maybe it is, and you know, Nick Saban's like superhuman, but. Again, hey, I'm I'm totally fine with with that. I, I'm okay with being a Xerox copy of the Alabama Way because guess what? The Alabama Way is proven. It's a proven formula. It, it works. <laughs> this I, it was so fun. We we talked prior in our our preview about the team being more balanced overall, like offense to defense, like and not be such a like a polarizing on one side. Um and our defense looks fantastic. So I I was honestly worried about the the swing being a little too heavy to the offense over the defense, but clearly that's not the case. And the offense just looks like it lights out the most efficient thing in the world. But it's not vanilla. It wasn't boring. It, oh man, I I'm very very excited. Like that game when when I told you I. I a bunch of people asked me what my prediction of the game was, and I said 45-10, so I made, I made two mistakes. One mistake was I assumed that we were going to have to settle for a field goal. We didn't have to do that. We scored 49 points. My other mistake was thinking that our, our defense was going to give up a touchdown to Oregon in garbage time. We didn't do that. So I underplayed our hand and overplayed theirs. But a lot of people, it's, it's crazy to think how many people told me I was crazy that it was going to be a close game, that they got really good linebackers over there at Oregon. Like, awesome, Man, awesome. I really like, see it. But, it, and I'm, I wasn't taking anything away from Oregon. Like, that's what I don't think people understand. By saying I think we're going to win 45-10, to 10, it, that I, I didn't say that I think Oregon sucks. I think we are that good. Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. By me picking picking that or or telling you what I think about my team. I'm not telling you your team is trash. I'm just telling you we're that much better than people think we are. And that's that's the weirdest thing too about it. we'll go back to rankings. Georgia being ranked 3rd. That's actually fine. I didn't e- that didn't even bother me. There may be a little bit of a lack of respect because that wouldn't have happened to Alabama no matter what. It wouldn't have, but Georgia's new to the scene of being national champions and we did 
lose a record amount of people mm-hmm. to the draft. So I can understand that. I I took no offense to being three. If if you're telling me Ohio State and Alabama are returning all these players, and and you think those two teams are the only two teams in college football that could be rated higher than us, cool. I'm okay with that. But now we know. Now we know what Georgia looks like. We have a full season for Georgia to get even better, and we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out at the end. But like, I'm not. I watched the Alabama game too. Uh, I'm not. I I can't. I can't wait. I hope we play Alabama. There is no hope. This is this is just like those Alabama Clemson clashes for the next several years. And and anybody, Herb Street, all those guys have already come out after week one and said, "There's Alabama, there's Georgia, and then there's everybody else." Those two teams are playing on another level. And again, we've already clashed with them in the past, but this is about to be some like heavyweight shit. Um, you are about to see some ridiculous college football games it's loaded with talent. We'll see in December. Well, Sorry, did, we'll did see in December. To, did you watch any of the Ohio State game? I did. But uh, yeah. do, you always, do you find it funny how like they always, and again, I'm not taking anything away from them, but the national media will talk about how good Ohio State's defense is. And, uh, man. see much. Man, but you you want people to think that there's a good defense. You want for this team to for your ranking to to fit this team so bad. You I don't I don't understand why. I don't know who gets money for this, but uh, it's just one of those things where I I I see Alabama's defense and I'm like, holy shit. I see Georgia's defense and I I'm I'm not at the holy shit level with Georgia yet, but I'm at the man. Like just wait, give them a few games to to get all all on the same page, and uh, get some reps under their belt. And this this is going to be very very scary. And I I watch Ohio State's defense, and I I see a, a good defense. We will never know why Ohio State gets the respect that they get. Not that they haven't had a great program. You know, they had uh, Trestle and all those guys on, Maurice Claret and everybody, you know, the national title team. They've had some good football teams. But I know one thing. They squared off against the Gators in a national title game. What happened? Got whipped. They squared up against LSU in a national title game. What happened? They got whipped. I don't know. And, I, and I've been saying this forever. And, and for some reason, people just still look at me, even though I pull it up on my phone, their schedule year in and year out is soft. Over the years, you're going to see a Kent State, the Golden Flash. You're going to see them on there. You're going to see Illinois football on there. You're going to see Purdue. You've seen now Penn State has come up some, but there were many years where Penn State was just not a very good program. You see Wisconsin on there. They've had their days in the sun here and there with Barry Alvarez and whatnot. Michigan State, Michigan has come back, but Rutgers, I mean, it's it's stupid. Indiana football, come on. Indiana's on there every year. They have not played a very tough schedule for many, many, many years now. Now, when they play those teams, they beat the crap out of them, but hey, good for you, you're supposed to. Well, and that's that's the other thing about like scheduling too, because it it's not every year that Georgia has just a, a world beater schedule, and 
it's not a lot we can control about that because these things are done so far in advance. And if you look in the future and the the home and aways that Georgia's Set up. I think it's set up to like 2028 or some craziness like that. We sure. play UCLA and LA in a couple of seasons, and I'm going to that one. Oh, show. I got to. Uh, yep. No, that that's. <clears throat> I'm I'm all about that as well. But what I was. What I mean though is like, our our conference schedule is what it is. So if if Ala, or if Florida and Tennessee are having down years, there there's nothing we can do about that. I'll I'll, like, uh, I'll like interrupt the, you for just one second, and and I'll uh, and just to prove your point. Uh, you may know him, but we have a good friend, Shannon Thompson. Yeah. Big Florida guy. We give him so much crap. He made a comment that said, hey, you know, Georgia is uh, making quick work of their only ranked opponent they'll play the rest of the season. I was like, it's the first game of the year, dude. Oh, I commented on that one. But you probably saw mine, and I said, hey, man, it's not our fault that the rest of you suck. Yep. It's not our fault Florida wasn't good enough to deserve a ranking. Not that they can now they are ranked. Now, if we play today, we play number twelve Florida, Shannon. Uh Auburn. Auburn got compared to Vanderbilt for crying out loud. Now Vanderbilt, those those loons over there beat Hawaii. And who did they who else did they beat? They're two and oh now. Some other loser. Now they're screaming, SEC title, baby. We're, you know, oh my God. And Vanderbilt I, fans, you're delusional. I can't I again but again, uh, I interrupted you, but the, you know, it's just like it's not our fault. You guys aren't good enough. Yeah, it, well, and that's the thing, like like it it goes around so we don't we don't play all the teams in the west auburn has mm. the hardest schedule in all of college football and and that happens to them quite often because they have to play alabama and they have to play georgia every year so so moving forward that sucks for them you know but that that's the way that it is in the sec and and when georgia was good not great and we had to play like powerhouse florida in Tennessee and Auburn and in uh, in our West schedule gave us mm-hmm. LSU that year. You know, it, it's it's cyclical. They're not always going to be great games, but now now we're our our out of conference games. We're scheduling bigger matchups because we want the Chick Fil A kickoffs. We want to be yeah. we want to be out there. We want to play good teams. There's always going to be cupcakes on everybody's schedule, but like, stop looking at that like that is just some way for us. And again, here we go with the SEC bias, and I don't give a damn. Uh, stop looking at us like we are just like uh, using these cupcakes to to pad our schedule. We already got it tough enough. The worst, Everybody else does it. The worst team over here will slap you in the mouth. Okay, like that's it. it just is what it is. I'm not. I, I don't even argue about it anymore. I told you. I told you a long time ago. If, if college football comes up out in public. The first question I'm asking is, what's the best conference in college football? And if your answer is not the SEC, then I can't have a conversation with yeah. you because that's that's what it is. Well, I think South Carolina has set them up, set themselves up for some pretty serious failure because they were busting out the hype. They were talking some smack. Even their players were like, "Oh man, you know we're gonna trounce." They struggled with Georgia State. They said they were just gonna whip them. Spencer Rattler. Boo, not that good, ain't going to be that good. The South Carolina people have always said could be a trap game for us in Kentucky too. I don't see that happening, but I do want to rewind just a little bit because this just popped in my head about trash talking. This clown from Florida State who has said that they're back after beating a very poorly coached LSU team. I'd love to 
talk to Josh Booty. I know he watched that game and what he thought of it and what he saw because I saw a guy that looked lost. But I just want to – and we talked about this, and I didn't get it in there. Uh, ACC football, kind of a joke, kind of a joke. And I've said this for a million years. Winning the ACC title is uh, the equivalent to taking home a, a just a really nice bowling trophy. It ain't that great. You had Clemson and you had everybody else. Yeah, but did you did you see the Clemson game? Yeah, they struggled against Georgia Tech. Well, they kind of opened it up there at the end, but sure. But until until Clemson, until Dabo figures out that uh, his backup quarterbacks his starting quarterback, uh, that that's going to be a, a hamstring issue for them. All year long. Well, I told you too. Venables was a linchpin in that in that program. He, he was no he was more than a DC. He's gone. I mean, I I, I just think Clemson's on their way out. I, I don't think we see Clemson come back. I mean, maybe, but I I don't think they're a go to destination anymore. For a while, Clemson was the, the sexy pick for colleges. You know, they, yeah, they, we're not we're not losing a lot of recruits to Clemson. Now. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you who will is going to be around, and I'll tell you why is Oregon. Because Oregon has a great coach in Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning is going to do great things there. And I even texted you this. They have quite possibly the greatest NIL sponsor in the history of time. And now that buying play because it's let's not kid each other. It's what it is. You're buying players now. It's legal. They made it legal. They have Nike. And if you don't think Nike and Dan Lanning are about to make something pop off up there in Oregon, you are crazy well i mean nobody ever wants to lose right you don't want to lose but imagine your first game as a head coach is facing your former team coming off a national championship and primetime television okay just imagine like i and i from what i know of dan lanning like i hope he took this l and it's just gonna fuel him oh because because he but but he knows and I don't want to steal your your Kirby quote. Steal away because it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, Kirby Kirby said that he knew Dan's not going to say it. Dan Lanning is not going to say it out loud. But we have better players than they do, and and that's those are facts. And that is Kirby saying like, listen, man, like I, I have the utmost faith in you. Like we we just have a better football team. You knew we had a better football team coming into it because you just left us. You you knew what you had over there. It it it's just we're we're playing a different football game right now, but that doesn't mean in a couple of years Dan Landing is not going to be doing huge things in Oregon, and what appears to be a wide open Pac-12 because, I mean we'll we'll see what USC turns out to be, but I I once they start playing each other, I guess we'll figure out how good they actually. Let me are. let me let me give you a little preview of what it's going to be like in Oregon over the next few years. Just pretend I'm Nike. Founder and CEO Phil Knight. This is a checkbook. Who do we need? What kind of in a, in a, yeah, yeah, I got it. How much? Like, yeah. It's like what did what did Ryan Day ask for in Ohio State? Twenty million. Here's forty. I'm telling you. I mean, who? What player would not want to go? get an NIL deal from Nike in Oregon. They have amazing facilities. That whole area around there, what is it, Bend, Oregon? Is that right? Is that where it, Eugene? Eugene. Okay, I don't know where I got Bend from. Uh, so, yeah, Eugene, Oregon. And it's beautiful up there. Amazing country. They have world-class facilities. 
Dan Lanning and Nike, I'm sorry, Oregon's going to be around. Oh, yeah. Oregon may even come back around and, and give us a taste of our own medicine in a few years. Who knows? But I, I'll tell you that. They are going to be back. And looking at the time over here, we've had a lot of fun talking Georgia football. It's going to be a great college football season. It's always that much better when, uh, you know, Georgia's seemingly going to be as dominant as they were last year again, just even with a a better offense. And that defense, I still say, is good. I, I, I want to – but Georgia kind of does – have a little bit of a softer schedule i mean let's just not let's not lie we've got uh south carolina coming up after Sanford, first sec test i think we pass it with flying colors i think just as kirby said about oregon i think we have better players than south carolina kentucky they're feisty they're a scrappy football team great quarterback i think we can take them i think we can take them then we have vandy then we have auburn then we have florida we want from us yeah, I, what do you want? There's nothing we can do you know, about it. So, I but Tennessee, you know, people are saying uh, Hooker up there and and that you know high flying offense, they could be problems. I'll take my high flying. Defense. You know, maybe because guess what? Everybody uh, has their their day in the sun. You know, I think that's the biggest thing about Georgia too. Is everybody kind of said, well, you know, the sun shines on the dog's ass every now and again. That, that they really, I think they really felt that about Kirby Smart in this program, and they are wrong. But, hey, you know, Tennessee beat us for a decade. Had to suffer through that every year losing to Tennessee. Do you think Tennessee's offense is better than our offense? No. Okay. You no. think their defense is no. better than our defense? I, well, no, but that, you know, we've seen it before. I'm just, you know? yeah, oh, any given Saturday. Yeah, so you – know? Do, do I think so? No, I think Georgia beats Tennessee again. But, you know, the, the, after watching some of these rankings and some of the things that have been said coming into this college football season, I don't know how much more knowledgeable these guys are than we are. I mean, we watch just as much and read just as much as they do. But do I think so? No. But I guess that would probably early on be Georgia's biggest, them and ten, uh, Florida, you and know, two Flo- biggest threats. Florida so, ranks, rankings go out the window to me. That's just one of those yeah. games. I still, I'm, I think I'm still kind of with Kirby about making that a home and home. I, I would love it. Um, but yeah, so you get it. Georgia is very good. They came out looking sharp. I don't see them backsliding. I don't see them regressing. I see them only getting better, which is scary. They played the best football game of of last Saturday, but we have uh, we got to move on because we're just watching. You know, we try to you know pack as, uh, as much as we can in. But yeah, we uh, of course we were going to go ham on the dogs because we're excited and we love them. They're our team. But we have another team that's playing Sunday, 9-11, in the bins. It's going down, 1 p.m. on Fox. We uh, are not favored. We are playing the New Orleans Corndog Vendors. They are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Falcon Saints, you're going. And I do – so I'm I'm going to Asheville this weekend, getting a little getaway for the first time ever with my girlfriend. We've never gone on a trip together, so we're getting away. We won't do a show Monday – I don't know how you do it. You better start. You better put your thing cap on now. Don't come back here without some leftover Falcons wings. Freeze them. I don't know what you got to do, but I, I better get some. First game of the season. I'm just I'm putting you on uh, notice right now. Falcons I'm, wings. I'm just reminding you. I uh, <laughs> I have the recipe. Well, I, I mean, why don't we? Why, why aren't we eating a giant plate of wings? Talking about football right now. Then tell me that. Riddle me this. All right. So three three believe in Atlanta podcasts and then one hot ones podcast. Sure. Okay. 
We'll just talk about wings the whole time. Don't threaten me with a good time. I made some great wings uh, for that Georgia game, man. I did a little garlic, a little mojo, a little pickle juice, and I had this great like mango habanero dry rub. And then I put some, made some Nashville hot sauce. It was they were good. I smoked them on the smoker at home. Well, not a smoker. I have a little grill. I haven't got my big boy grill yet because uh, I'm not ready. But anyway, Falcons. What are we? What are we? What are we looking at? Expectations. I, I think it says something. It lends something to the Falcons that the Saints are only favored by five and a half. Five and a half, and people are predicting us to win two games all year. I did see another one uh, where they're they're now saying we'll go four and thirteen. And, and so it is what it is. I, I think we're better than that. I think we will. Yeah, I I do too. I I unfortunately think we're gonna shoot ourselves in the foot and put ourselves in the middle of the road and 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 work our way out of a, a high draft pick or um right on the cusp of getting into the playoffs. And aren't they aren't they good at that though historically? Yeah, oh, the Falcons yeah, are yeah. always good at being just good enough to not have an amazing draft pick. Man a but, high pick. So they uh they just released the depth chart um going into week one. So your um your battle at center ended in Drew Dahlman is going to be your starting center to start the year out. So I'm glad we got that clarified. Uh, Hennessy back up. And then Elijah Wilkinson is going to be left guard. So no Jalen Mayfield, which is, yeah, everybody's happy about that. Uh, Lindstrom McGarry on the right side. And then obviously Jake Matthews at left tackle. So offensive line always being one of your questions, you know who your your starters are going to be at offensive line. So that's that's a plus there. Um, question mark you have is Drake London. Drake London was limited in practice yesterday. Um, they won't make a decision on him until Saturday uh, on whether he'll play or not. So in my brain, I already know he's not playing. So yeah. I, I have to condition myself to just – think that he's not playing even though I'm super excited to see what he and Kyle Pitts look like together on the field at the same time and and that was a lot of the talk about London not being in the game is less worried about oh well this is going to be a recurring injury and our first round draft pick is hurt. oh god everybody shut up about that I've already seen the Julio Jones comparisons like just shut up yeah shut up well so so I have to I have to avoid those because that that gets very far under my skin until it, until that happens. I'm not going to, that's not going to be my hot take route. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll do a hot take route real quick. Okay. I, I say, watch out Drake, stay healthy. Cause our, our favorite lacrosse player, he made the squad. What if Saturday, man, he just balls out, has like four or five catches, you know, like, if he go, are you saying you think he might go straight Lad McConkey on him? Yeah, man. That you know, I'm just saying. He, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of football, and here he is on a on a NFL roster, and with London out, he'll. I, I, why wouldn't he get snaps on Sunday? If London, if London is out, I, our wide receiving core obviously changes. Like it, he is clear cut wide receiver one. It's it says it on the depth chart, even though. Um, Arthur Smith mentioned ahead of time that he's not one to to put rookies high on the depth chart, no matter what their role is. Just that's how he does things. Um, but you you have Brian Edwards and uh, Alameda Zacchaeus 
I, I would guess would be your starting wide receivers. We're thin. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we just we have a lot of unknown commodities. We have we have four or five receivers in the receiving uh, in the room, um, but without Drake London, the whole dynamic changes. And a lot of the a lot of the questions that were were asked after finding out that he was limited in practice, and we won't find out till Saturday, is what impact do you think that will have on Kyle Pitts? And you have to just assume business as usual from last year. Kyle's going to get double teamed yeah. all day long, and he's going to have to use every bit of his talent to to get what he can out of the day. But it's going to be tough, and uh, he had a tough time against Marshawn Lattimore last year. Uh, that being said, like that that comparison, you see, uh, they had to use Marshawn Lattimore to take Kyle Pitts out of the game. So if you do have Drake London, what what do you do at that point? That's the impact that Drake London's going to have on Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts on Drake London is you're not going to be able to double both of them. Yeah, well, so it puts a lot of pressure on London to perform, but that's when I say we're thin. Like, yeah, of course we have a room full of NFL wide receivers, but they're not top flight. They're not marquee guys. I think in order for Pitts to see some true success, got to find that counterpart. Is it Drake London? That remains to be seen. I mean, he could be. You know, you were saying that Arthur Smith doesn't like to put rookies out there at number one, and he's at number one. So clearly, they've seen something. Just got to get him healthy. And I'm not, I mean, he's got a dinged up knee, you know, and player, players play hurt most of the year. You know, there's and always honestly, some nagging I'd, something or other. I'd rather him not. Like, if, yeah. you're, if you're worried about it, don't play him. Okay. Do, yeah. Whatever you do, I hope you're listening. Please, if you listen to any podcast, listen to this one. Whatever you do, make sure he's healthy before you play him. Yeah, it's a multi-million dollar investment. Yeah, that's your first round draft pick. He's a wide receiver, and he's known for jumping for footballs. Like, please make sure his knee is okay. Yeah. Okay? It's not going to make or break the season. Of course you want to beat no. the Saints out of the gate and send them home with their uh, nickels and their socks. Sure. It, but if there's ever a season, again, if you're listening, if there's ever a season you're willing to scrap a game or two, like yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe right now, like don't try to lose. That sucks. But, like, if you got to keep a guy on a bench an extra week because his knees hurt, like do it. The, the question I have is this. Do you think uh, – the Falcons organization has kind of uh, huddled up with the sanitation crew there down at Mercedes-Benz and come up with a solid game plan to, in fact, rid the place of the smell of corn dogs post-game. Like, I feel like... You think they have an attack? Like, how, this is how we're going to attack this problem so we can rid the stink of the Saints when they leave? I sent them a message on Twitter and suggested maybe Febreze at the metal detectors um, where it would just, like it would look like a, like a water mist. Like we're trying to be nice and like cool you off. But really what we're doing is trying to save everybody's nostrils. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. And, and uh, we're going to state the obvious here and I'm going to list them and you're going to kind of uh kind of deep, deep dive, but everybody kind of knows three things that we're going to look for or, or start to look forward since, you know, you, the, the, you, the whole story is not told by one game. Versus the Saints. But everybody's going to be watching these three things, and it's the running back position and the O-line because, again, we're unproven at the running back position. Uh, so many question marks, but O-line, been a problem for years. Pass rush, number two, been a problem for years. And the red zone and the wide receivers. Now, we, I mean, red zone could struggle 
on Sunday because London could be out. Pitts would be getting double teamed, and we have some wide receivers that are serviceable, but they're not they're not stars, they're not standouts. So, but those three things, and that's I think that's what's annoying the most is how many seasons in a row now have we listed these three things and said we got to get better. So it, you're right. These have been the three bullet points that we've been harping on for for so long, but I feel like in past years. It's like no no hope in sight. Like we didn't we didn't actually do anything to get better. Or or let's let's take the the Dante Fowler signing. You signed Dante Fowler. I thought that was going to be a good one. Well, but that's that that was another Falcons. You know, flop. Well, it was <laughs> it was another peerless price thing. You get Dante Fowler off of a good year, playing with a really good defense, and you you assume he's going to be able to do the same thing where he's essentially like the star you're trading in. You traded in Aaron Donald for Grady Jarrett. And I'm that please, I'm not taking anything away from Grady, but that, that whole defensive line in LA was, was different than the line here. Grady's all you had here essentially to help you out. And like he all by himself is not going to make a, a pass rush happen. So you're saying Fowler was propped up. By the hundred uh, percent superstar lineup they had, of course, a hundred percent. But but now now you if you if you come to grips with the fact that we are we are rebuilding, and you know that you just want to see everything moving in the right direction, um, the way that the pass rush is set up for this year, you sign Lorenzo Carter, um, yeah, Ogundeji. Those are going to be your starting uh, outside linebacker. Pass rushers, um, I, I'm encouraged by that. We haven't seen a lot of it yet, but I'm encouraged by that. If the defensive line can hold up and do their job, um, that that's promising. Then you got Ebiketti coming behind them. I don't know how big his role is going to be up front, but you you have people that you're putting in place. You have people that you're excited about. I'm I'm more excited about drafting. Henri Bichetti than I I ever was about getting Dante Fowler. I thought that was just throwing throwing money for a band aid. Yeah, you know. So so I don't know what the pass rush is going to be, but I do know that they know, and they're working on it. Like I I know it's a priority for them. Offensive line. I told you my my theory on the offensive line is that we didn't address anything this year because we didn't have any money this year. And that's, that's, I think, too, like, this is really, like, last year it was just Arthur Smith basically getting handed a bag of trash and say, here, do what you can with this. And now this year he's made some little tweaks, and it's the second year in Dean P's offense. But, you know, uh, we used to hear a guy say every five years or every three years there's a new five-year plan. I don't think we actually see the fruits of, of this Fontenot-Smith relationship. Let's not forget about our friend, Kristen, Kirsten Groves. Very important person. Can't if you haven't watched her. that episode, watch it. But I don't think you see it until you're five, honestly. I, I think Smith still has another season or two before we really start to see 
things pay off if they're going to pay off. Like, if he's right. going to be the guy. So, I don't – like, you know, people will say, like, if he doesn't have a good season this year or next year, like, is he on the hot seat? I don't think so. I don't think he's on the hot seat till year five or six. And I, I agree. I when, he, when we first got him, literally when they signed Mariota, when they signed Mariota and I got this idea in my head of what they were doing, whether it's exactly what they're doing or completely different from what they're doing, I got this idea in my head about their plan. And based on that idea that I came up with, I I said year four. So year four is when I'm going to start critiquing what you've done so far. But so obviously I'm going to pay attention the whole way through. I like where we're going. I like what's happening right now. I don't have any lofty expectations from you early on. I just need to see you keep making the right decisions for for me to be comfortable with, yeah. with what's happening. Um but uh, we talked about running backs as well. Um, Patterson, while having a great year last year, um, and I think you know he was really our only other weapon with with Kyle Pitts. Um, he's on the older end of of yeah the running back spectrum for a while. So, but you have his the depth chart released. He's their starting running back. Damian Williams behind him, who's also a little long in the tooth, and Tyler Algier, who I expect to see a lot from. But again, Arthur Smith puts him where he puts him on the depth chart. That doesn't mean anything. Your place on the depth chart doesn't mean you're going to get a certain amount of snaps or anything like that. That's I still just, say we should have got Sonny Michelle, but whatever. It's not didn't happen. Let's move on. I, I, we might not have had the the money. The financial wherewithal to go get it. You know, do do you think? And and if we did our homework and, and really dug into it, we we would probably find the answer. But do you think there in the last twenty years or so there has been a worse team, like a worse rebuild? I don't know how I should phrase it, but like, in I mean, it is just. I mean, literally. Dimitrov and, and Dan Quinn, and I don't know how much Dan Quinn had to do with it, but the Falcons front office just, this team was decimated. Just no money anywhere to be found. It's like LeBron's a, the GM. A, a, cap night, <laughs> a cap nightmare, recurring the same problems every year, offensive line, no big-time superstar running back. Uh, you know, Julio can't got out of town. Calvin Ridley was whatever he was. Uh, you can't find a pass rush. Uh, can't produce in the red zone. Just like so many glaring problems like that they, didn't they, get fixed. And like now it's like, I don't know if there's ever been, I mean, I'm sure there is, but I'll just say like, I think Arthur Smith, if you talked about it, if you looked back over the years is in one of the deepest holes to dig out of than just about any other coach that's ever been put in a situation like this in the history of the NFL. But in the restaurant, it's a deep hole in the restaurant business, we always talk about how you know if there if there isn't uh, if you have a problem at a table or anywhere in the restaurant, that gives you an opportunity even more so than somebody that's having a really great time to make a great impression. Fixing a problem makes a bigger impact on a human being than than just like making them happy the entire time that they're there. I think that the ball's in his court and obviously it's a it's an uphill battle for he and Terry right now, but I think ultimately if they turn this around, the the return from the fan base and from Arthur Blank will probably 
be just ridiculous. Like I, I, I'm watching what they're doing right now, knowing that like the, the previous, <laughs> the previous regime spent like drunken sailors and essentially had to file bankruptcy. And, and that was them, that was them getting pushed out of town. And so you, you have to come in and you have to deal with all of this and you have to deal with all of this with a unhealthy, toxic fan base at the moment. Um, yeah. and, and, and that, that's, that's tough in its own right because you're going to have a problem putting butts in the seats and getting fans out there because that's just how it's been for a while. And I'm hoping that part of them rebuilding this team is getting everybody back out to the stadium. Once they see that, like if, if you can't, if you can't see already, um, please listen more. Cause I, I'll talk about this all the time. But if you can't see already the direction that they're moving in, and please feel free to disagree with, you know, draft picks and stuff like that. That's going to happen. That's part of football. But like overall, you have to look at it. And I don't, I don't care if you think, because in my heart, I think Nicobe Dean's probably better than Troy Anderson. But we don't know that. We don't know that yet. Uh, I right? Did I did I touch a? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to talk about it. All, I'm not going to talk about all it. All I'm saying is you can disagree all day long, but but if you don't see what they're trying to do, then I I don't know what to tell you there. But they're pushing in the right direction, and the point we were talking about was the offensive line and why we didn't address it. And I truly believe that's because of our money situation. And you can go out and you can sign mediocre offensive linemen all you want to plug holes, but that's not going to help anything. So my thought process was that you go out in free agency next year. If, you, if you're if you not in a position to draft an offensive lineman or, or if you're in a position to draft somebody way more important on the defensive side of the football, you can use your money to go buy offensive linemen. Um, we just have to be much smarter with our money and hopefully our – our friend Kirsten grows soon to be friend um, is going to help with all that. Well, another thing too, is you could coach up the offensive line talent you have, you know, that's, I think that's been the one thing that like, you just don't see, you haven't seen improvement over the years and they keep running the same people out. But, and I will say this, somebody smarter than me and with a more analytical mind could explain it to where I go, okay, that makes sense. That's fair. But I still wonder how and I it, there's there's a strategy in, in, in how we want things to play out and draft order, but I don't understand how in a draft class that had five first round picks, the Falcons didn't take a chance on one of them. They didn't grab one of them. It's because of where we were in the first. I mean, I round. get it, but I just uh, five first and and, and, and we we could have t- Dean was there. He was there. Well, right. Whatever. Hey, I hope he was there in the third round. Yeah, I hope Troy Anderson. I I hope he is whatever. But I I I don't understand it. I don't understand why Nakobe Dean is not wearing a Falcons uniform. Because guess what? They're saying in Philly, great things, great things. But whatever. The Falcons historically have never drafted well. I mean, they do have some, you know, prime. Matt Ryan. You know, they do have some draft picks that panned out well. But they drafted Brian Scott. Yeah, I mean, I I just think if you if you line it up of of awesome draft picks versus what the were the Falcons thinking though what were the Falcons thinking list is a lot longer. But anyway, sure. Well, and and that's another thing. Like it, people, there's a lot of Georgia homers that 
would love for the Falcons to be more proactive about going out to get uh, a Georgia Bulldog. And sometimes when I see like negligible difference in talent, again, they know way more than I do. They have more in depth. They they've interviewed these human beings. I do not know these guys on a personal level, but hopefully one day with some press credentials, we'll uh, we'll get yeah. to meet everybody. Um, yeah, but you don't you don't know what you don't know. So I have to, uh, so I don't drive myself crazy. I have to assume that they've done their due diligence and they know exactly what they're doing. And and sometimes, you, listen, you you're gonna work through your system. They said they wanted to do best player available and they wanted to um, stick with that. So when you tell me you want to do best player available and you pick a guy and N'Kobe Dean is still on the board, I, I feel like you're lying to me for a minute there. Yeah. Um, but I, what, what if it's their best player available? Like they're not going off like ESPN's list of top or Mel Kuyper's list. They're not just crossing names out. It's not a fantasy draft for them. So I, it, they're going off their big board. I, either way, I'm with you. I don't understand the Nicobe Dean thing, but until until Nicobe Dean lights the world on fire and our draft picks are awful busts, then yep. I'm going to try not to kill him too well, much over yeah, it. And I'm one of those people that said that. Hey, support the staff, support the organization, but I'm sorry. The Falcons have missed out, and I don't. It's not just about Georgia players. Overall, they have missed out on some talent, and I get it. You interview them; they do the Wonderlic test. Like, are they a fit for our organization? You go through all these things, but I'm going to go back to this one because you've heard me say it a million times, and I go, "Could have had him." What do you think the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan could have done with Todd Gurley? You know how I feel about could that one. Could have had him. Why didn't they take him? There have been so many times where I'm like. And, and, and I don't care. The best player available was N'Kobe Dean at that pick. That was the best player available. What part about that young man's demeanor, his intelligence, whatever. I've been following him you know, since so high what, school. But whatever, I'm right whatever. there with you. So, I, look, and I'm just going to say, look, you guys made your decisions. We're going to stick with it. And I know you. I'm looking, too. We are getting a little long in the tooth. we got to wrap it up. But look, This is a I, fat football burrito it episode. It is. Uh, you guys can break this down into smaller bites. This is a long episode. We get it. We, we, we always say we're going to try to keep them between 30 and 45 minutes, and we never do because we get on a roll. But all I'm saying is just, hey, I'm behind the Falcons, probably more so than I ever have been. You know, I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to see what the future holds. But I just, I, like you said, you know, we're, we're going to try to get some press credentials for next season. It's too late this year. I, I just want to ask some questions. I, I want some more information. I want more access because I want to understand the process because you and I and every Falcons fan out there knows they've missed out on some draft picks and, and been like, why, what, huh? So anyway, but that's beside the point. I'm all in. We're watching. Mariota's the guy. I'm sure we'll get some, uh, you know, uh, some peppering of uh, Desmond Ritter. Everybody's high on him. We'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, yeah, and, and there's a lot of question marks. I think the Falcons are going to be better than what everybody's, uh, you know, predicting them to be. But it, it's also, I think, it's going to be a long season as well. Oh yeah. But uh, do I think we're going to be the surprise of the NFL? I, I don't think so. But hey, it's, it's a long season. Seventeen games. Stranger things have happened. So, tune in. Give your support. 
Let's ride with them. Let's not be negative. No negative expectations. Let's just nope. see how it unfolds. Tune in. Get down to the games. Stop by uh, the, the Bird Gang tailgate. Get some of those Come see me. tasty, delicious Falcons wings. I'm going to get down to a game this season. And with that said, we love you. We need you. We'll see you next time. Later, Atlanta. Do you believe? 